Translations by Brian Friel, an Abbey Theatre and Lyric Theatre co-production. Audio description programme notes for the matinee performance in the Abbey Theatre on Saturday the 30th of July 2022 at 2pm. The play is directed by Katrina McLaughlin. Set design is by Joanna Parker, with costume design by Catherine Fay and lighting design by Paul Keoghan. The sound designer is Carl Kennedy. The performance runs for approximately two hours and 30 minutes, with one 15-minute interval. Translations examines the fractious relationship between people and nations through the lens of language and miscommunication. Brian Friel's modern masterpiece finds a new potency in a time where Brexit has thrown current Anglo-Irish relations into sharp relief. Redrawing old boundaries and opening up old wounds. Abbey Theatre Artistic Director and Donegal native Katrina McLaughlin opens a hotly anticipated new production of Translations in Belfast before a summer run on the Abbey stage. I think that is how the political problem of this island is going to be solved. It's going to be solved by language in some kind of way. Not only the language of negotiations across the table. It's going to be solved by the recognition of what language means for us on this island. Conversation between Brian Friel with Vinton O'Toole in 1982. About the set. The play is set in a rural hedge school in Hugh and Manis's barn, a sparse layout. At the back of the space, a raked stage that reaches across the space and slopes sideways and downwards towards the hedge school in the front half of the stage. A grey floor with a dusting of rustic pink earth weaving its way across horizontally in front of the barn roof hill. This floor is the inside of a barn. The sloped stage behind representing both the roof of the sunken barn and the hills of Donegal. The hill has ridges at the edges like clumps of earth. Characters walk and sit upon it. Behind the hill and to the sides of the stage are unseen sloped floors reaching upwards to meet the ridge of the hill and the sloped floors either side meeting the flat land where Hugh and Manus live with the hedge school barn floor to our right. The slopes behind the land barn give us the impression when characters enter and leave that they really are trekking up and over hills towards us and away. To our right in front of the hill is a simple wooden table facing inwards with a comfortable looking wooden chair that has armrests and a woven seat placed to the right of it, used only by the scholars Hugh and Manus. At the beginning of the play, one large book sits upon the table, with small piles of books nestled on the floor by its wooden legs. High up over the table hangs an oversized plumb line, a tool used to find the vertical axis by pointing to the centre of gravity. A bronze weight, a combination of hemisphere and cone, with a rope connecting it to a sack of sand for balance, which hangs up over the back edge of the hill to our right. A simple wooden milk stool, a bit battered round the edges, rests a little nearer to the centre, 
ready to be used as a makeshift study desk when needed. A wooden butter box sits just left of centre next to the hill to be used as another makeshift desk or seat. Students sit before us on the floor of the barn and on the stool or butter box. Tucked into the far left of the stage is a wooden structure with a sloped roof. It symbolises the home of Hugh and Manis, which only they enter. A handful of external wooden steps at the front lead up to a room to our left, bare but for a white wash basin with white water jug placed upon a wooden table. At times the light hits the room and the basin and jug brighten ghost-like. Behind the house is a floor-level storage space filled with tools and hedge school material. A small wooden bucket with rope handles sits beside it. The back wall of the abbey stage can be seen in this play, a brick wall freshly painted black. Sometimes shadows fall onto the wall as dusk meets evening light. The lighting in this show is incredibly atmospheric. At times the audience could almost be looking at a painting with the golden hue of a dramatic sunset giving a mythical feeling, or more muted earth tones of dusky pink and blue mixed with the mist coming off the hills, or sometimes a bright daylight. All the locals, but for Hugh, walk barefoot, their feet muddy from the damp earth and their ragged clothes also. I'll describe the characters in order of appearance. Sarah is a local woman, played by Susie Sewifi. A woman somewhere between late teens to early thirties. She is a nervous character, with a compulsion to lower her head, but there is strength in the way she expresses herself when she rises. She busies herself reading and marking table, stool and slate tablet with Arabic hieroglyphics. When she raises her head to meet someone's gaze, we can see under her long, dark, wild, matted hair, her strong jawline and large, expressive brown eyes. Sarah wears a frayed royal blue linen skirt that rests at the ankles with a threadbare cream blouse. In the second half of the play, Sarah is the only local to change from rags into a fine teal, green heavy silk floral print long dress, sent to her from Boston and fashionable for the time. Fitted at the waist with a V-shaped neckline and three-quarter length sleeves. Sarah has a speech impediment, which Manus, played by Marty Ray, helps her with. He is the eldest son of the master of the hedge school and also a scholar. Sarah and Manus appear to be good friends. Teasing each other playfully, they can often be found huddled together. Manus is about 30 years old, give or take. He wears tan brown linen trousers, frayed at the edges, filthy with mud, and an equally crumpled and worn out shirt with a khaki green waistcoat over it. Manus has a limp, as his right leg is lame. His right foot and leg wrapped in a strip of rag up to the knee, his left foot bare. His dark curls are cut short and his facial expression intense, although he can smile on occasion, especially when in playful humour with Sarah. Jimmy Jack, played by Ronan Leahy, often sits alone on the hill, reading his book. Jimmy is an older man of 50 years of age or so. 
He is dressed a little differently than the other local men, as his brown linen trousers have been cut off below the knee. Over the top he wears the remnants of a shirt and brown sleeveless jumper, and what was once a smart dark blue three-quarter length morning suit jacket, now ripped and worn. All his clothes, bare feet and shins are soiled, with earth from walking and sitting in all weathers. On his head, a grey cap. On his hands, brown fingerless gloves, worn and torn with time. Jimmy's mousy brown hair peeps out from under his skull cap. His bushy beard tinged with grey. On his nose rest small round metal-rimmed spectacles. This outfit is finished off with a rag for a scarf around his neck. Myra, played by Zara Devlin, is the next to arrive barefooted to the hedge school. A young woman, perhaps in her early twenties, wearing a burgundy-coloured linen skirt, similar to Sarah's, and an off-white blouse. Although her clothes are muddied, they seem to be less worn than the other characters. Myra's delicate facial features are framed by her auburn hair pinned up away from her face, strands of hair falling in curls about her neck. She has mud on her face, neck, hands and feet. Myra has a sturdy walk and a glint in her eyes. Dualty, played by Andy Doherty, and Bridget, played by Ruby Campbell, are the next to run over the hill to meet the others. Dualty is another young man of an age between late teens and thirty, wearing equally ragged and dirty clothes of camel-coloured corduroy trousers and beige linen shirt. His youthful face, partially hidden behind a red bushy beard, to match his short red hair. His fellow student Bridget, of similar age and exuberance, also wanders barefooted, same ankle-length skirt as the other women, but in a khaki colour with a lighter khaki-coloured blouse that has a collar. Her sleeves are rolled up as if ready to work. Bridget's dusty blonde hair is pulled away from her face in a loose ponytail. The last man to stride over the hill is the master of the hedge school himself, Hugh, played by Brian Doherty. He holds himself tall, dignified and proud. He arrives swinging a cane and wears a top hat that has seen better days. His clothes are even more dirty than the others, as if he's been rolling around in the earth in his cream trousers that are buttoned up over his paunch belly. He wears a light peach-coloured shirt tucked in with a burgundy-coloured waistcoat buttoned over the top of his paunch. Sometimes he wears a dirty black overcoat that has rips in it. Hugh is in his late fifties, ruddy-faced with a grey receding hairline and beard. As time goes by, Hugh weaves drunkenly about the place. Unlike the others, he has black suede boots on his feet. His younger son, Owen, played by Leonard Buckley, arrives from Dublin dressed finely in light-coloured attire of tan trousers and a cream, pristine linen open-neck shirt over which he wears a brown waistcoat and a tan-coloured morning jacket. On his feet, fine brown leather shin-high boots, his honey-blonde hair combed away from his face. Lastly, the British Royal Engineers in their red coats arrive. The older, Captain Lancy, played by Howard Teal, and Lieutenant Yoland, 
a young man played by Adam Moriarty. Both men wear the red coat uniform of black trousers with a thick red stripe down the side, white starched shirt and red jacket with black cuffs and collar with gold trimming and polished shin-high black leather wide-legged boots. Lieutenant Yoland is a young, friendly, enthusiastic chap with short brown hair. Captain Lancy sports a grey head, short back and sides haircut and a stern expression. That concludes the audio description introduction for translations. They were prepared by Mo Hart. Audio description at the Abbey Theatre is provided by Arts and Disability Island with support from the Arts Council. For updates about audio described and captioned performances, text Access Arts to 51444 or head to www.adiarts.ie for more information. Thank you. Gurumahagat.